It's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Okay, welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. I'm the minister working with the Kearney, Missouri Church of Christ. And so I'm very glad that you chose to join me, and I pray that this message will be uplifting to you. If you have any questions or concerns about tonight's episode or any other episodes, you can always reach out and leave a comment on Facebook or YouTube if that's your means of watching. Or if you choose, maybe you're listening by the radio show or or the podcast, you can always reach out to me by uh, calling my phone number, 816-686-9517. That's 816-686-9517. Bear in mind, we are in the central time zone. You can also reach out by uh, emailing me. It's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. We try to come to you with a message from God's Word every Thursday evening, Lord willing, at 7 p.m. and every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. And keep in mind, again, that all times are central time zone. So mark that uh, uh, on your calendars so that you can always be able to join me and to listen to a message from God's Word. And again, we pray that this evening's message will be beneficial to you. All right, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's lesson. You know, there are those who like to, they criticize the gospel. They criticize religion because they they say it, it divides people. And in fact, even today, I was reading some, uh, I don't I guess they still call them tweets. It's on X now. It's not Twitter. But uh, and there were some things said about uh how beliefs are dividing us, in, even in our country, as well as throughout the world. And, and you know, that's prob- that is true. I mean, if you look at uh, certain places, there are religious beliefs that do cause division, in fact, sometimes leads to wars, we've been seeing. And, and I understand that. But to blame that on the gospel, which is what this one person who is an atheist did, that, uh, that's just, that's far reaching. That goes beyond, he, he doesn't have an understanding of what he, the charge he's making. And so when I study the Bible, and keep in mind, I, I sympathize with him because it was obvious reading what he wrote, he didn't understand the message of the Bible. And that's, of course, that's shame on on him. He needs to make sure that he knows. But needless to say, what I know of the Bible and what I know of its message, I know that the gospel is designed to unite man, not to uh, divide. And so we can't blame, and and we're going to go through this to prove that this evening, but bear in mind, and before we do that, I mean, let's just let's just say that I already have. If we once we go through it and look at the evidence that the gospel does unite, 
we, we can't sit back there and blame division and problems on the gospel. We're going to have to blame it on something else. And I believe that the blame lies upon sin. Uh, the sin is what causes division. But that's for another lesson. So let's go ahead and look at the, how the gospel unites. Let's consider the evidence, and then we'll just proceed from there. Hopefully, there will be those who thought like that man did, and uh, maybe they'll think about reconsidering. But uh, when we're thinking about how the gospel unites, I want you to turn in John 17, if you have your Bible with you, John chapter 17. We're going to look at uh, some of the things said there. We're going to look at some other passages as well by way of introduction, but we're going to consider uh, John 17. So if you keep your thumb on that, we'll come back to it. But notice what Jesus, and, and this was part of his prayer that he gave the night he was betrayed. And uh, it's a recorded prayer that he made to God. And it's, it, boy, it's just, it's filled with a lot of messages. And we can glean much from it. Notice what he says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Talking about his disciples. I am coming to you. Talking about God. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Okay, that was, this is the dying request of Jesus. He's going to be crucified in a few hours. And here we see his, his request he made to God uh, the night he was betrayed, the, the very uh, uh, essence of, of his prayer to the Father, and it, his desire was that we may be one, and that, that his disciples would be one. And he said, even as we are one. Of course, all throughout the life of Jesus, if you remember, uh, you know, he always made reference to him and, and the Father as being one. They were united. Uh, they were united. He said he could not uh, speak except for the things that God told him to speak, and he couldn't do the very things unless God told him to do it. And so they, they were united in what was to be accomplished by his life. And so in the same way, that was Jesus's request, was that his disciples, his believers would be one. Now, does that sound like that's something that divides? No, we're looking now for something that unites because the, the master, which is Jesus, the teacher, that's his desire. He wants unity. Now, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, kind of jumping ahead, but we're going to come back. Uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 12 is a description of the Word of God. And notice what it says. It says, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, in this passage, speaking of the Word of God, it does sound that it is something that is divisive. But what is it dividing? That's what we got to notice. What is the word of God, the gospel, dividing? What's its work? And it says it is the division of soul and spirit and then of joints and marrow. And I think if you look at that real closely, what he's talking about is that the word of God separates that which is spiritual, soul and spirit, 
And then that which is carnal or worldly joints and marrow. Those are the things that it does. It divides those two things. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about carnal, uh, it's talking about living a worldly life, and that's not a good thing. But when we're talking about following Jesus, we're talking about a spiritual life. And so the Bible then, from this passage, we learn that a Christian can use the Bible to learn how to live spiritually, or it can be condemned for living carnal, a carnal life. And so we know that about God's word. Now, go back to John 17. Notice what Jesus said, verse 14. I have given them your word. Talking again about his disciples. I, Jesus, have given them your word. That's the gospel. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Okay, now what is that purpose of the gospel? The division of that which is spiritual and that which is carnal. And here he makes it very clear. He gave the disciples the word, and the world hated them because the world's carnal. And that's what they like. They like that which is carnal, where the disciples were looking to Jesus to learn how to be spiritual. And so anyone who wants to be spiritual is going to be hated by those who want to live worldly. And that's the point of what Jesus is trying to get at in John 17 and verse 14. Now look at uh, uh, John 3, 19 through 21. Because in this passage, he goes on to describe those who hate uh, those who are living spiritual or, or even the instructions of living a spiritual life. And he says, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. That light is described as the, the gospel, the, the, the word of God. And it said, man loved darkness rather than light. In other words, they did not like the gospel. Because, why? Because their deeds were evil. That's carnal living he's describing. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Okay, now think about that. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light. They don't come to the light because they don't want to be reproved. So in other words, they're not going to come to the word of God because they know the word of God is going to condemn their way of living. But then he goes on and says, he that doeth truth, again, that's the word of God, cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. So now we're looking at two types of people that have different goals. One lives, wants to live a carnal life, a worldly life. One wants to live a spiritual life. Can those two be united? No. Why? Because each one has chosen a different goal. One has chosen to live spiritual. One has chosen to live carnal. That is not the fault of the gospel. The gospel is merely the means by which those who choose to live spiritually can learn to do so. But those who want to live a carnal life cannot sit back and blame the gospel for dividing them 
from those who want to live spiritual. Just can't do it. It's not there. It's not part of the, the truth. Now, let's go on to John chapter 17. Let's go back to the prayer, verses 20 through 23. Uh, notice what Jesus goes on to say. He goes, I do not ask for these only, talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe on me through their word. Well, that would be us, those who choose to live spiritual today. We learn to do that through the word of God that they preached, his disciples preached, that they may all be one. Okay, now we're talking unity again. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they may be in us, unified with the Father, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, and that may be become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Okay. That's the goal of Jesus. He wants man to be one with God. He wants man to be one with himself. He wants man to be at one with each other. That's the goal. And we've already shown the mechanism by which he has chosen to accomplish that is through the gospel. However, <laughs> not everyone chooses to live like this. Again, that gets to our point. We cannot blame Jesus or his gospel for dividing man. That's not Jesus's fault. The one who is at fault is those who choose to live their life apart from God. If they wanted to be united with God, then they would accept the gospel. So we cannot charge the gospel for dividing us. We have to uh, accept the fact that the gospel unites men. Now, there's three points I want to get to as we go through this, and I want to really hit home how the gospel unites. And first of all, we have to understand, and, and I think we've done a good job up to now, but I want to hit these three points because I think it's important that we are, can answer such people who make such charges. Uh, I wish I had saved. I, I probably should have put some of his uh, tweets uh, up on the uh, uh, screen so that you could kind of get an idea of my inspiration for this message, and we could answer him in, in a, a more uh, organized way. But Hopefully, with these three points, you'll be able to do so. So our first point being that the gospel unites. Why? Because, it, well, how? It, by God's ordained. God has declared this to be. This, is, this was his purpose. Look in Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 10 through 11. Now, this passage is dealing with what the Lord is uh, professing about his message. He says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. All right, that's what First Corinthians said. The Spirit searched the mind of God, and then that Spirit revealed that mind uh, to the Apostle Paul through inspiration. 
And that's what they preached. That's what they preached. And so it says, my word goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return into me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. Now, get, now, remember, what did he want it to accomplish? He wanted his word to unite, unite man together and to unite man with himself. That was the whole purpose. It was all designed to unite. Now, if that's God's word, and it is, comes from his very mind, can anyone say that it's not perfectly made? No, it's perfect. And it's, as the Lord says, it's going to prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. That doesn't mean all men are going to accept it. But it is going to accomplish that which the Lord has decreed. Go back to John 17. Look what 17 and 19 says about God's word. And he's talking again about his disciples. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. That's the word of God. And that word sanctify means to set apart. Set apart. Hmm. If you set apart something, you're, you're moving it from one group over to something else. And what's, what's the division that we've already talked about? That division from those who choose to live carnally from to those who choose to live spiritually. Sanctify them. Set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so he goes on and says, as thou sent me into the world, even so I've sent them into the world. And he, you know, and he, he says, for their sakes, he sanctifies himself so that he might be sanctified through the truth. So needless to say, that's what the, the, uh, uh, that's the ordain of God right there, is that man is sanctified or set apart through the truth. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 15 through 17, a, a familiar passage, uh, Paul tells Timothy that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith that's in Christ Jesus. Well, salvation's in Christ. That means you're united with him, right? He says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? that the man of God may be perfect or complete, you could say, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That is the ordain of God. That is his purpose. He wants to unite men together with himself. That is, and that's the whole purpose of the gospel is to be able to do that. Now, with that, he has to call men. And so that call comes again through the gospel. Men need to know what they need to do to be united with God. And so we see that call coming through the gospel. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. Wherefore, whereunto, he says, he called you by our gospel, as Paul telling uh, the Thessalonians. Whereunto he called you by our gospel, talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how they were called. And so we have to understand if we're going to learn of God, we have to listen to the call, and that call comes through the gospel. So we have to listen. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
we're not going to hear the call unless we listen to the gospel. That's where the call comes from. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, you remember in the time of, of Christ's life, the Jews were divided from the Gentiles. They considered them heathens. But now, through the gospel, God is going to unite the Jews and the Greeks under Jesus Christ. And that just goes to show you that he, he expects his gospel to unite men and not to divide them. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Acts 13, 46, Paul and Barnabas, uh, who uh, uh, become frustrated with uh, preaching to the Jews, they waxed bold. They said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, talking to the Jews. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, not all Jews rejected Jesus Christ. The disciples themselves were Jewish. However, they, a lot of the Jews did reject Jesus. And so what did they do? They turned to the Gentiles now. Why? Because they were going to be united. And we see that in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, a Gentile, being converted into Christ. And so that's that's very important, something we have to understand, that when God's uh, call, he's calling men everywhere to repent. doesn't matter who they are. They just have to be a human being. And if they're a human being, God's calling them through the gospel to repent, all men. And because it's all men, that sounds like to me something that unites. But then the third point is that the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel unites by his blood. Now look at Colossians chapter 1, 21 and 23. He says, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in sight. He says, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, the gospel, okay? How did it come? Well, we, he was. it came because of that sacrifice. Uh, Jesus came to this earth to deliver that message, but it was enforced. It came into power by the blood of Jesus. And he says he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable. And so you can see then that it unites man by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to make this a little bigger for you guys so you can read it a little better. Ephesians 2, 11 through 17 says, Therefore, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision um, by that which is called circumcision. I, I need to explain this. The, the, the Jewish token showing that they were in at one time in a covenant relationship with the Lord was circumcision. 
but uh, the Gentiles had no such covenant. But now he's using, uh, uh, he, he's going to start uh, making reference to this to try to make a point, trying to show the difference here between the Gentiles and the Jews. He says, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that'd be the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you are at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's division. The Jews and the Gentiles were divided. But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility and by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Peace, peace. All men being united because of that blood of Christ, uh, the, the blood of Christ being able to bring that word into force. And so it's important then that uh, we recognize that and to be able to talk about that with uh, the man I was talking to earlier. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verses 21 through 26. He says, Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Christ Jesus, and to all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Again, there's no. He, it's uniting man. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so then we can see then that man, man has been united with the, the Jews and Gentiles have been united, but now all men are united through the gospel. And we know this because of the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for our sins. He was able to bring that word to be in force. All right. Those are the three points I wanted you to understand. The gospel unites by God's ordained, by his call, and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we understand these three points, then perhaps we'll be able to talk to those and uh, be able to, uh, if, in fact, you can just use John 17 and hopefully be able, if you use their introductory verses, you'll be able to uh, explain to people that the gospel, there's nothing about the gospel that divides. And the gospel unites, but it does divide those who choose to do evil. I mean, it's separate, can't help that. Those who choose to live spiritual uh, and those who choose to live uh, uh, carnal, um, that's there's just going to be a division there. Why? Because the gospel has given 
man access to the Father, those who choose to live spiritually. And the thing is, why wouldn't anybody want to? That's kind of a fool's bet to deny uh, Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't anybody want to be one with God? So and anyway, that's all I got to say on that. I guess I'm, I'm about out of time. But uh, needless to say, if, if uh, anybody has any questions about this lesson, I'd be more than glad to talk it talk to you with uh, uh, in the future. Um, listen, I'll close with Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you want to respond to Jesus's invitation, let me know. And we'll see what we can't do to help you and assist you in, uh, in being united with Christ. Uh, and, and that's something that and we, we both be united as brothers in Christ. That would be a very, very good thing. Hey, if you're ever in the Kearney, Missouri area, come and visit us. We're at 406 North Clark. We meet every Sunday morning at 930 for Bible study, 1030 for worship. You can learn all about the church by going to kearneychurch.com. And if you like this lesson, you want to hear more like these, tune to KPGZ 102.7 FM every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. You can hear a lesson from God's Word. And you can also, uh, if you live outside of the Kearney area, that is not a problem. Just go right ahead. And uh, I think I'm sitting too far back of the computer. It's messing up my screen. But uh, if, uh, yeah, if you live outside of Kearney, just download their app. And you can stream it on your mobile device. You can hear these lessons anywhere that you want to. That you can, as long as you got internet access, you can hear it. Brian Spirits is a show I'm part of with two other preachers. That airs every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Go to carneychurch.com, press on the Brian Spirits app, and uh, you can join in on the Bible study. We'd sure like to have you. And keep in mind, Brian Spirits and Gospel Preaching Live are uh, published on uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And so you can hear these on uh, there as well. Okay, Lord willing, I'm going to come to you again this Sunday at 6 p.m. Until then, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes and to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.